fireside chat uh, was an interesting thing. When I got the, the call from Tom uh, and he was explaining to me what he wanted, which is very informal conversation, chat, a bit different, just like we'll all be earwigging on you chatting between yourselves about mental health in the workplace. And I just thought, how blooming nosy. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, we don't get that opportunity to just listen to people chat, chatting, you know, without worrying that we're there. But we'll know you're there. So, this is a wee bit like a podcast recording, but with the audience in situ, unfortunately. <laughs> we'll just pretend you're not with us and we've got a crackling fire and maybe a few nice drinks or whatever else. And please help yourselves to water. Um, I'll ask each of you to introduce yourselves. As Callum said, I'm Karen Lally. Uh, I have lived experience, as you said, in the workplace both from the uh, perspective of mental health, but also from working in organisational culture over 25 plus years as a career and uh, working alongside HR departments uh, and various other things. So those, those two aspects combined are one of the reasons I'm particularly interested in the, work, the workplace uh, agenda. But if I could ask my four wonderful guests if they wouldn't mind just introducing themselves briefly. Start yeah. Peter. Yeah, I'm uh, Peter O'Connell. I'm the Head of Commercial Development at ScotRail. Um, and just brief, brief context for me is I've I've, um, I've I've had a couple of experiences of going through periods of depression in my life, um, and for many many years self stigmatization was a big thing for me, um, and even during that period you know I wouldn't tell people about what I was going through except the people who had to know, um, and um, that continued for years afterwards even when I felt better. I still didn't share what I'd been through for, for a long time. And the change for me was a, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine committed suicide um, over in Ireland. And, um, and that was a bit of a light bulb moment. And that's right, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be quite open about the experience that I've had and have still every now and again. Um, and, um, and that's changed my mindset to getting involved with this sort of thing. So, sorry. Bit of a longer introduction. No, that's that's great. Thank yeah. you, Peter, because it's yeah. really useful to know that it will mm -hmm. link into something. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Try and follow that for an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Ruth Hill. I'm the senior training manager at ScotRail. Um, I have quite a few responsibilities at the moment. You might have seen us in the press quite a lot. <laughs> um, so no pressure. Um, I do deal differently with pressure nowadays. Um, I had an episode a couple of years back where um, I had a panic attack and. Um, it, it was very shocking for me and for my husband. Um, I actually thought I was having a heart attack and, you know, I, he gave me the aspirin. We had the ambulance, you know, on call, arrived at the door at six o'clock in the morning and when they diagnosed a panic attack, my husband went, heart? I'm the warrior, not heart. <laughs> so, you know, and, and even then, that, that was a warning which I didn't heed. Um, unfortunately, and things progressively got worse. Um, and it was my boss at work that actually helped me through it because she recognised the signs, because she had had mental health training. Um, and, you know, things started to look up, and, and that's how I became involved in, in sort of mental health talking, if you like. Um, and I find it very rewarding, and I find it easier to support my team now because. I have spoken openly about, you know, what happened to me and um, I find it a lot easier to deal with and to, to recognise in my own team. Great, thank you. Andrew or Andy? Yeah. Um, I'm Andrew Hutchison, I'm an employee within ScotRail, um, I've just recently moved. Um, I suffered um, 
from quite severe depression and anxiety about two years ago to the point where I was nearly admitted. Um, it still hurts me because um, in the workplace a lot of people say, well just man up, it's not there. Um, but what had happened when he filtered out um, through Facebook of all things because my wife didn't know what was happening. Um, I was going to work physically being sick, um, apprehensive of going to work and finding an excuse not to do stuff, which isn't good in my workplace. Um, through Facebook, some friends got in close to touch with me um, and got me into a group that helped me, um, which then triggered some of the work colleagues to come back to me and say, like, come out for a coffee, um, we'll come and meet you um, at a location to such point as my senior manager then. It triggered him about two months after that uh, when I went off sick and he done the same and said, Luke, where do you want to go? I'll come, whatever you say. And that then started me on a, a road to recovery is probably the right term I would use. Um, but then also sent me in like saying, well, how many people are like that and you out there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Andrew? My name's Andy, I'm a conductor at Glasgow Queen Street. I was diagnosed with depression last year. As you can tell, it's quite emotional. Twice. Twice I found myself standing at the edge of a platform in Glasgow. And fortunately for me, the first time it was an old lady that took me to the sleeve and pulled me back. Mental illness never ever affected my, my work. Never, never missed a day's work. I, had, I have this alter ego. I am happy-go-lucky Andy that can do anything, can find anything for you. If you need something done, I'm the man that can do it. Uh, but after two episodes of that, over, the, over a couple of years, my wife only found out. Last night year ago. And I went to the doctor's with a cold and before I knew it I was lying on the floor everything I was pregnant I won't take medication I know there's medication there I refuse to take it I deal with things in my own way I've had some of the darkest days like probably a lot of people if there's people in here who haven't been touched with mental illness like I thought Trust me, when you walk through that door, it will be there waiting for you at some point. Either yourself, your family, a friend, it will be there waiting for you. Well, for me, I think it's been really interesting hearing what everyone's saying. Um, because I'm someone who really struggled to be open about my life in the workplace. Um, and I, exactly that point you made, Peter, about self-stigma and feeling very uncomfortable. I was very challenged about being open. Uh, I had a diagnosis of clinical depression age of 16 and I have what we described as dysthymia. So I have a continuous depression 
um, at all times, and sometimes it goes into what might be referred to as a kind of double dip or a more severe depressive episode, uh, along with some other mental health challenges. Uh, and that was something, my experience was 30 years ago of, of when that first came out, and in school, and, and pupils in school being told about this, and their parents telling them to stay away from me, that I would be trouble and I was a problem, and somebody who, who had that kind of problem was, was, was an issue. And then at university, a period of hospitalisation and various other things, and that got out. And the way people responded to me, and I was studying law, it was interesting listening <laughs> to the legal profession. Uh, and, and these were things that were weaknesses that you, you could not show. So my experience, I think, uh, in terms of the way people responded to me from that early age, was that this was a really dirty, dark secret that you didn't let anyone know because you, um, you, you were threatened by that. People didn't want to be around you. Um, and I lost a lot of friends and contacts. Um, it, it was a risk to my uh, university career. Uh, I was warned it would be a risk to my career if I wanted to practice law and, and all the rest of it. Uh, and I kind of fell into the world around culture and HR and equalities and various other things in the workplace. But some of my early experiences in workplaces didn't engender confidence that I would get support if they found out about my mental health. So I spent majority of my career being very secretive and it's been very interesting for me listening to all of you about the things that uh, have led you to open up and I know we're all at very different stages of opening up um, I'm probably in terms of as a, as a CME volunteer one who speaks less frequently than many others uh, about lived experience and I, I take it on a situation by situation uh, basis but I, I have been very, very secretive around a lot of things because I was terrified of what would happen to my career. And I reached a stage where I was a deputy director of HR, I was responsible for equality and diversity, uh, giving guidance at the CEO level on that issue. Um, I did an acting director role for a while. I was chairing my professional institute, Charter Institute Personal Development and the Scottish Partnership up here. And I, all that was going on in my head was, I have a prime position to come out and say, I have these challenges, and look, you can do all these things. Um, and I absolutely believed in role modelling, so it's been really interesting hearing Tom talk about that earlier, the importance of senior leaders and senior people um, sharing. And I experienced not only the self-stigma, but then a huge amount of guilt about not saying anything. Uh, because I, around that time, also received my diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, and I instantly became very vocal that you could have a physical illness and do fine and you get to senior positions and it's no problem at all and look how supportive we are of people. But I was still terrified because of some of the behaviour in that particular organisation. I think a different organisation might have been different, but in the organisation I was in at the time, um, the, 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 some of the people around me would not have been supportive and they were those who were in uh, control of what would happen in terms of my career. Um, so I... I was very wary, so it's, it's fascinating to hear. And I, I'd love to hear a bit more about stories. I mean, Peter, you were talking about that, that self-stigma being yeah. a factor for you at times. Yeah, and yeah. but you, 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 know, you used the word weakness, or you told yourself it was a weakness mm. if, you, um, if, you, if you spoke out about it. And the thing that I've sort of learned um, through doing these sorts of events is it's pretty much the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly not weak. To, um, to speak out and most people will have a positive um, yes. outcome if, they, if they're if they open and if they don't then 
they're probably in the wrong environment, so it's time to leave anyway. So it's probably the right thing to do. It's a difficult thing though that because I know one time with uh, my mental health only caused me to be off work um, on a few rare occasions because I let it get so far because I didn't I wasn't dealing with it. Um, and one where my GP had said to me, well, you know, I said if I if I go off sick they'll fire me, and I, I wasn't long in that organisation. She said no, they won't. They can't. It's against the law. They won't. Mm. I said no, they will. They will. No, they can't. Um, I was off sick and I was fired. And the words were, how dare you go off sick when we're so busy? It was a small organisation. How dare you go off sick when we're so busy for that length of time? And because it was mental ill health, it was a longer, uh, it was a month or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that was a reinforcement to me. And I think that's the thing whereby I think there is a great sea change that I'm seeing. I mean, there's still a long way to go, but I'm noticing a very different environment and listening to you talking and about the responses you've had. It's fantastic to hear those sorts of experiences occurring and how supportive environments are. But it also makes, reminds me to the point that was made by Tom and others that I've heard over time, how important that first response is, that reaction is, the, the response you get yeah. when you do open up about something. So it's yeah. been very positive yeah. in your experience. It has been, eventually. Um, it's, hard to see. <laughs> it's hard to see it as positive at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but you look back on it and think, it was a positive thing to go through, definitely. They spoke earlier about the stigma within the workplace, absolutely, especially in the railway, without a doubt. I'm very career-minded. I used to be a train driver. I had what they call a SPAD, which is a signal past the danger. It wasn't serious. My doctor had been telling me since 1996 that I had depression, and I was in complete denial because I was a carer for my dad who was terminally ill. Then I became a carer for my mum. Plus, when anything needed to be done, my family came to me. I was the youngest, they came to me. I had to sort it. And my mum passed away last year, which was a big turning point for me. Because I felt so much guilt, but also I felt so much relief because I felt a huge weight being lifted from my shoulders. Uh, when I did retire, uh, resign from driving, when I had this bad, uh, it was a devastating time for me, because a, despite what people think, and they'll probably agree with me here, there's a prestige with being a driver. It comes with being a driver. And I had thrown that out the window. I had thrown money out the window because you then take a, a drop in your wages which then added its own pressures absolutely and it just it does show how intense it is and, and you made some very important points as well andy in, in sharing so much and thank you for that around just the fact that we're all touched by mental health i mean everyone has mental health good mental health poor mental health and so on but that that severe <coughs> mental illness is out there and we talk about one in four having mental ill health. Um, and one in six, I believe, is a figure for diagnosable mental ill health to the point where we're at a stage of a, of a diagnosis of a clinical condition. Um, so it, it's very prevalent in society. And people are struggling all the time. You also talked about being the happy-go-lucky, the person that anyone would come to, the one who's always cheerful, and they act. And is that something that all of you have experienced? I mean, I, I know for myself, I would go out and I performed. Um, every day was a performance. Is, is that a technique others used? Or? Very much so. 
Yeah, very yeah, much. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's I, I just my wife's sitting at the back who's here supporting me there without her. But you do have this alter ego. Yeah. Uh, as I say, I never missed a day of work. Never ever affected my work. Actually that was my release at most points. Because you had something else on your mind. The upside is now I don't have those thoughts anymore. Yeah. And people don't want to take their life because they want to die. They want to take it because there's nowhere else to go. They don't see a way out. Fortunately for me, I found a way out. And once I got over the profound loss of losing my parents and everything else and reevaluating, I, I went back to college and I, I studied mm. uh, health and safety and came back and hoped to progress my career. But again, I, there's no way I could come out and say, by the way, I suffer from depression because I know I'm, it's hard enough moving forward in the real way, mm. as some of you will know, without stigmatising yourself with having mental, mental health problems because there's certain managers in all industries who go, not a chance. And it's so much, I think, of that is that that point, it's down to the individual managers, back to what we were saying earlier about who it is you you speak to and, and, and where you get support from and that response you get in terms of what the environment's like. Because it's interesting for people at ScotRail and, and quite different experiences as well, which all comes down to that, back to that individual line manager, the support you get. There can be an infrastructure, there can be everything in place, um, employee assistance programmes, uh, there could be great internal communications. We've heard how important that is to let people know what's out there. Mm-hmm. But that actual individual relationship with the line manager or whoever else you might disclose to, it could be occupational health, whoever it may be, is, is really, really key. Definitely. In terms yeah, of we're we're very lucky in ScotRail, certainly, with the support that we do have. Mm-hmm. If you know where to go and yeah. find it. Yeah, um, so. Like I spent six weeks in the priory years ago at one point, which was all paid. It was prior to ScotRail, actually, but that was all paid through, mm-hmm. through insurance, which would be the same in ScotRail if I was in that <laughs> state again. So... That's critical, but it's the bit in between, would you say? It is. It's, it's, I think it's that communication and being aware. Mm-hmm. Because it, I, maybe it comes back to that self-stigma and, and um, mm. you know, that, that concept of weakness or how, what people think of me if, if, I, if I say this or if I, if I share this information. How will they view me after that? Um, you often, it, it's hard to even start looking for the information because you're worried if you ask the question, someone will add two and two and get six. Um, and come to their own conclusions about why you're asking. So sometimes even sourcing that information can be hard unless it's very clearly communicated. Mm -hmm. So I think that that does come back to that importance, reinforcing from that importance of open communication. Mm -hmm. I would would totally agree with that. Um, I've experienced mental health in sort of three different areas of my life. Um, So my stepson, um, he had some really tough mental health challenges. He was both bipolar. Um, and then he got involved with drugs. Um, so we went through a period of about five years, my husband and I, where there was actual violence. Um, you know, and he had a young child at the time. Um, and I had, at one point, I remember locking the baby in the bedroom with myself while my house was getting trashed and my husband was being assaulted. Um, if you can imagine what you go through there. And, and even through that, I was strong. I was the strong one. My husband was a strong one. Um, eventually, it got to the point where I, I didn't know where to turn to get help for him, and, but you need to want to help yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no relationship there anymore, but what we've been left with is, is the, the kind of devastation 
I had some serious health issues um, not long after that. And um, I think I was a little bit traumatised by that. But then my husband had a heart attack. So it was like this shitstorm of stuff that was coming up and still... I turned up at work every day and I was like Andy, you know, this alter ego, I was the cheery person, etc. Except I wasn't, I just thought I was. And my boss actually noticed the difference in me. Um, but my husband was, was also going through his own anxieties and actually his personality changed quite significantly mm. so that once it was identified in me, I could actually identify it in him yeah. and we got him some help as well. Um, and I went for cognitive behavioural therapy, I went for CBT, and I spent the first three sessions just blubbing, just absolutely. <laughs> She'd ask me a question and I would just cry through the whole thing. Um, and after, I think after the first three, I started to sort of take on board some of the coping strategies and some of the techniques, and it really helped me, and I deal with things in a different way now. So stress. I think you know, you always take it back to what's the worst thing that can happen. Well, I think a lot of the worst has happened to me. Um, so you know how how bad can it actually get? You know if we can cope with that, you can cope with anything. Um, and I and I, I kind of use some of my coping strategies sometimes at work where you think, okay, nobody's died. Um, nobody's nobody's you know put themselves in harm's way, etc. Um, so I totally get where you're coming from. The CPT is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. My line manager insisted that I went for counselling yeah. and uh, my counsellor was great and so, so so much to say you could actually trace it right back to my childhood yeah. because I grew up with an alcoholic father, mm-hmm. uh, I watched him beat my mum, things like that. So for that point of view, yeah, it was great and I, I became an adult at 10 year old yeah. and, it's, and it turns out it's quite common people who grew up with alcoholic parents or drug addicted parents, they become adults at a really young age, they become carers at a really young age and it's difficult to shake off that responsibility. I agree. You, I just believed that everything was for me to sort out and even right up until a few months ago I still believed I had yeah. to sort everything. Yeah, it's interesting because that comes back to the word strong. You know, that resonates with me, you know, hearing about you have to be able to cope with everything being strong and the impression we create when we go to work. Because I I do exactly the same um, for a long, long time, never missed a day's work. Um, mental health, until I had a, a breakdown, I would not be off for my mental health at all. Um, that, was, that was a no-go. Presenteeism was definitely in the mix. Um, because I, I needed to prove to myself um, that this was not a factor. But that being strong, and everybody always thought I was absolutely the resilient one. I could handle anything, stress under pressure. If there was a crisis, I was the one that would deal with it. And then I'd collapse about it later, mm-hmm. and that, that was the way it was done. But it, it, it sounds like that's quite a familiar mm-hmm. scenario for people, yeah, and, and keeping that. And then hearing you talk with about the, the kind of loving when it comes to the CBT, or mm-hmm. um, doing something where you're getting support, and that, that kind of crying. It's almost like a sense of release. I heard from you almost like a sense of release Absolutely. just at that moment. Yeah. And to me, that's a wee bit like the talking aspect, and Pete used that earlier, where I think for a lot of people, it becomes very cathartic to actually be open about our mental health uh, and to feel that it's safe to be strong enough yeah. to talk about it. Because I, I totally agree with you. It's not weakness talking about mental mm-hmm. health. It mm-hmm. takes huge strength mm-hmm. to speak about your mental health. 
if it's poor mental health and you're struggling with it and you've had difficulties. Um, yeah. And I, I, I really kind of hear that echoing across yeah. from everyone. I mean, it, it takes a lot of time to realise that for me. I um, hugely admire the fact <laughs> that Andy was diagnosed a year ago. Um, yeah. yes. It was six or seven years for me and I certainly couldn't have done this five or six years ago. No. Um, well, so if you told me a few years ago, yeah, I'd be sitting, it wouldn't yeah. have been happening. Yeah, so it, it takes time. But yeah. talking definitely helps about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Although my wife will tell you, there's, there's days I just have a down day. I just don't want to talk to him and she'll say what's wrong. I'm fine. You know what I mean? I'm okay. No, you're not fine. Then my son will start. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But there is days you're just fine. Mm -hmm. I feel as if they have they, they walk in eggshells about me and stuff like that. And she'll agree that. You know what I mean? Don't upset him. Don't upset him. <laughs> that'd be fine. <laughs> that, uh, I, just have, I just have shit days the same as everybody yeah. else, part of French. Um, but that can be a challenge yeah. as well, interestingly, because I know when I returned to work um, at one point, and the team were, you know, my manager was trying to be incredibly supportive and make sure everything was okay, but they were all walking on eggshells, and actually that triggered a relapse for me with my mental health, because I wasn't being allowed to do the work I used to do it. I was actually, I went back in and they were saying to me things like, you're a senior leader and as a senior leader, we need to know you'll follow instructions and leave at one o'clock when you're told. And wait a minute, a senior leader's supposed to use their own sort of savvy for things and I would finish something. I, I, so actually I'm feeling like, no, I'm, I'm not, a, you're asking one thing but telling me to behave in a different way. You're not allowing me the autonomy. Um, but also the pieces of work that you've tasked me to do when I've come back are the things I used to do as a student 20 years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I appreciate you're all trying to be really supportive, but actually this is making me feel really lousy and, and it's making me hyper aware that you all think I'm really ill and I can't cope and I can't do it. And you you're, you're think I'm fragile somehow. You're saying that's something you've... Very much so. When I came back to work, it was... I think the intention was to, to not overload me with work, mm -hmm. but I'm the kind of person that, you know, if I'm in, I'm in, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm doing, and, and, and that's just what I do, I get involved, I'll complete a piece of work or whatever, so I was only given one piece of work and I was bored. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm used to having like, lots of things on the go, and, and I, I kind of had to, to go to my boss and say, look, enough with the kid gloves now. Uh -huh. I need to just get back to normal. Um, so, and, and I was lucky that I had a boss that I was able to do that with. That's good. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's good that your boss responded because so. you can get a, a different response yeah. as well. I mean, I, I kept being told, just take it easy, just take yeah. it easy. I'm thinking, just enjoy this time before it gets busy. But like yeah. you, I need to be thinking. And it, it, that makes me think as well about how important work can be to, be, to our well-being. There's a balance to be had for me. I think the whole return to work thing is quite a difficult one. The last time I took some time off last year after my father died, um, it was a case of straight back into it. <laughs> lots of expectations immediately from the business. That was partly due to the fact that there was lots of change going on and people leaving and um, it was a difficult time to come back. But it would have helped if I had a softer return to work at the time, definitely. Um, and that wasn't. And that, that shows a key thing. It's about the individual. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. no one size fits all. And I, for me, actually, that's an important message. Because I think with, with five minutes, we'll kind of ask you all for something you'd, you'd like to share or anything you'd like to leave with people. But for me, one of the things I'd like to leave with people is the fact we're all individuals. 
Mm-hmm. And what we need is different. So on one hand, it's not the assumption of everything's totally normal and get back to normal, but also but talk to someone about what that phased return is for them and what will work for them. So if, if, I, if I go around and ask everyone if there's something you'd like to leave people with in this, this last few minutes. Peter, sir. Um, I'm struggling to think of one thing, if I'm honest. I think most of, um, for me, the self-stigma issue was the biggest one. Um, and I think these kinds of events, this kind of program, are are a really good contribution to um, what happens when people do go beyond that self stigma issue. But um, it still it doesn't get you all the way there. No, I, I can appreciate that because I can listen to lots of people. It doesn't necessarily change mm-hmm. how I feel inside completely, mm-hmm. but it does help build some confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think for me it was line manager support. I think um, imagine, imagine the success. My my story I would say was a successful story because both myself and my husband got the right kind of help. Um, probably at, the, at a time where we didn't know where else to turn, and my boss had some mental health awareness training, which is why she spotted the signs in me. So imagine being that successful if all your managers had had that training and, and were. As, as aware of mental health and how to deal with somebody with mental health issues. Um, can imagine how good that could be. And noticing before it becomes Absolutely. something much more severe. Yeah. Yeah. So again, reinforcing that point by the line managers. Andrew? Um, one, of my, one of my big ones was um, the stigma. Um, for being a male, it still is a stigma. Yeah. People don't think you're going to suffer anything. Um, and finding out it's got out in the workplace when you're still at the CBT and your counsellor's no longer giving you one hour counselling, he's giving you two hour counselling yeah. sessions. Um, and then going home to your family and they don't know what to do. Because um, it's never been in my family. Yeah. Um, but luckily for me, some of my colleagues at work who I'd heard were the ones that got in touch with me and came over took me out for the coffee um, and when I started to go back to work it was again the colleagues but I was then feeling able to open up so being able to open up to someone yeah. made all that difference I mean people couldn't believe um, how I suffered for the depression I got a Lifesavers Award from the Samaritans yeah. at one point um, and people couldn't understand why I was suddenly there so I think being able to open up to somebody within the company that can then talk to you mm-hmm. um, and have a, a coffee, not a sit down and behind the desk, but just go to Starbucks, Costa. That's what done it for me. Yeah. So not a big formal process, no. just mm-hmm. being human Absolutely. Yeah. and making that yeah. connection yeah. and finding someone you feel safe. Treat it as a person, not as a number. Yes. And it's at, at that point you make about for men how difficult it is. I mean, we know that's very prevalent. We're hearing it in the news a lot. But we, also, we know that suicide is the number one killer of men under the age of 45 in the UK. Um, so we know how critical it is to support men to open up. So also for me today, having three men here on the panel joining the beautiful booth <laughs> is, is, is really encouraging. Yeah. Really, really encouraging. Because uh, it is so important. Um, and we need to get rid of this idea that, you know, that it's, it's, it's not strong. It's strong to speak about our mental health. That's where real strength lies. 
um, do you think you'd like to leave people with? Um, you do sense, you do have that sense of shame with the stigma, along with the stigma. We do ask for help, you don't hear it because it's so subtle. How many times have you heard, I can't cope anymore? Or I need help. It could be your son, your daughter, anybody at all. It could be a kid being bullied at school. It could be a close friend who's gay, lesbian, who feels so suppressed they can't come out. It could be anything at all. The signs are there, we do ask, but they're so subtle. And it's not because you don't hear them or you are not interested in helping. It just it flies over your head because they're so subtle. But hopefully you'll leave today embracing and listening when you have you. You'll now leave with a sense when you're speaking to somebody, you'll know you'll know there's something wrong and the words are there. They they do tell you. And you're probably sitting here just now. Probably somebody's sitting thinking, oh my God, that's my son, my daughter. Please reach out before it's too late. And, and, and thank you for that, Andy, because that also links back to what we said about a line manager who'd had training. So in a workplace context, had had that training, who noticed little things. So as you say, the, the, in, the inferential things we say that indicate we aren't coping and, and that we are struggling, we're having problems with our mental health, where we don't necessarily come straight out and say, you know, I've got a problem with mental health, or we don't know how to articulate it, we don't know what it is that's wrong. Um, so that, that very nicely reinforces that. Is there anything finally what I say? Is there a poem anyone would like to read? It's a poem called Colleague A. I'm your colleague in the body you see every day. I'm your friend, your boss, or the stranger here for today. I'm the chatty one with not a care, or the weirdo in the corner who just sits and stares. I'm your colleague with mental scars you cannot see, longing for your help to set me free. I'm your colleague being bullied by my peers. You are my colleague restrained by fear. I'm your colleague LGBT who has to hide Busting to, to be free with pride. I'm the colleague who has to care with not enough hours in the day to care. I'm your colleague with ill health now affecting my mental health. I'm your colleague with mounting debts, hiding from a bailiff and their threats. I'm your colleague who sees no way out but to end it all goodbye, it's lights out. But you were the colleague who dared to ask, are you okay? Little did you know you just saved my day. You gave me your ear and relieved my fear. You guided me to help and saved many tears. So thank you, my colleague, for stepping up and seeing my pain. There is life, there is light with everything to gain. 
one day at a time, and in my head there's no more doubt, because you, my friend, have shown me there is a way out. My dark days still remain, but with much less pain. Life is getting better, and no, I'm not insane. Yes, the road is rough and the hills are steep, but with your help, I've learned to speak. So thank you, my colleague. You saved my day. It's only over and not out. Many thanks, colleague A.